Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Who loves parties? Three of you. Who loves parties? Yes. Love parties. Now, um, I don't know whether you've been to a party where, um, where they run out of food. Yeah, I've been to a party where they run out of food. And, and there's, there's this feeling where you kind of go, who's catering for this? How much were they expecting? Um, oh, like I know my South African brothers and sisters would say, oh, shame. Oh, shame they ran out of food. Not shame, but like that's just an expression, right? Oh, shame that happened. Like people would be like beginning to whisper and, and st- like it's kind of elephant in the room situation where clearly there's no food coming out. Everyone's kind of wondering what's going on because we're just in the middle of the party and we run out. I don't know about you, but sometimes there are people who live their lives like it's a party. I'm sure some of you might see my life and kind of go, Digga's always having parties. And yeah, life is kind of like a party, but what happens when you run out? What happens when you've spent all you have and you run out? And so everybody around you who's kind of come to support you are there and kind of go, he's run out. Think about the uh, prodigal son, parable of the prodigal son, how he got all his inheritance and he spent it all. And that moment when he's sitting in the pig pen and he realizes, I've spent it all. Got your Bibles? Turn with me to John chapter 2. I'll speak very briefly this morning because I want to get out of the way and get God to do his thing. John chapter 2. How many love Pastor Shelley's message last Sunday? How many kind of still wrestling with some, some stuff? It's okay to wrestle. It's actually okay to wrestle. This morning, I just want to kind of add a little bit to that because as Christians, we often feel like we always have to have it together. Truth is, we don't. And so when we don't have it all together, what do we do? Shared with our men's group a couple of weeks ago just about the default systems that we've set up of things that we used to do and how with Jesus we've gotten rid of those But when trouble happens, if we haven't replaced that behavior or thinking, we revert back to our default, right? So what used to be our comfort blanket that we needed to throw away, sometimes because we haven't replaced the comfort blanket, we've gone back and grabbed it. So what happens when you've spent all and you have nothing? What do you do? So this morning, the answer is, We run to Jesus. Straight up. The answer is we run to Jesus. It's as simple as that. When you spend all you have, run to Jesus. Okay. John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. 
On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also being invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. How many of you have friends who will kind of like state the obvious? <laughs> it's raining. Really? They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. How many know that's a lot of water? <laughs> Can you just imagine how much cleaning did they have to do? If there were ceremonial jars, this was at a wedding, there's a lot of cleaning that needed to happen. So almost like washing feet. When your guests come in to wash feet. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Can you imagine if you were a servant? Um, we run out of wine, not water. Then he told them, now draw out some and take it to the master banquet. Imagine if you're the servant. This has to take the jug of water to the boss. You're already seeing your life kind of unfold in front of you <laughs> doing that. And he'll be like, is it April Fool's Day? Who sent you? Who sent you? They did so. <laughs> and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had turned into wine. He did not realize where it had, been, had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings the choice wine first and then the cheaper one after. The guests who have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. You have saved the best till now. I think there's so many like human kind of interactive moments happening right there in a party. Often you go in and people are trying to suss each other out. Who's who in the zoo? Do you do that? You're kind of whispering. Who's that? Who's that? How do you know that person? I know my wife, whenever we go to parties, Shelly's kind of always like my shadow. She's like, no, you go. You go and say something. It's like, no, just come. No, you can. And so I'm often going, you know, like, like some of you would have kind of experienced that are introverts in the room. It's okay. It's okay. So they're sitting, and the wine runs out. Now, in that culture, to run out of food or wine is a huge shame. And, and not in, like, in our context, the wedding would happen on a Saturday, a Saturday mid-morning, afternoon, and then reception at night, right? Well, back in the day, it would last a week. Can you imagine the wedding bill? Like whoever's getting married next, 
a week. A wedding banquet for a week. So you kind of understand that they ran out. Because everybody's been kind of eating and drinking the whole time. By the way, this is not an endorsement for wine. This is not an endorsement for drunkenness. This is not an endorsement for just kind of like, oh, but Jesus did it. This is an endorsement of run to Jesus. So they run out. And so Jesus, I think Mary, like my mom, is often sitting there watching everything happening at a party because mom's like super caterer, right? And so when she's not on the job, she's just like, you know, almost to the extent we used to say, my mom wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> mom would have done it that way. Funny story. When Charles and I first got married, as a young 20-year-old, out of my mouth would, would drop things like, oh, my mom would do it this way. <laughs> hey, this is a free public servant's announcement to all you young marrieds out there. Do not say, my mom did it this way. And so mom would sit there and just watch. And so mom would know when things are running out. Mom would know, like, okay, so that stuff's happening there. No one, mom would know that. Can you imagine Mary? Mary would have been sitting there in that wedding, and she'd be eyeballing everything. She clearly saw that they ran out. Because front of house, you see the waiters would have been, this is your last drink. This is your last drink. But can you imagine in the kitchen? What do you mean we've run out of wine? Who was meant to order it? Someone's getting fired. Right? But bridegroom and bride just enjoying their party. No idea that this was happening probably. Mary goes to Jesus and says, they've run out of wine. Jesus going, woman. Now, in, in our culture, in our context, saying that is kind of rude. Like, imagine talking to your mom like that. <laughs> you know, like, woman. No, no, no. In, in that context, they had specific roles. And so Jesus wasn't being rude to his mother. He was just using what the culture of the day would have said. So it's almost like, you think, mother. But what has that got to do with me? I'm a guest here. I'm a guest here. And can you imagine how all Jesus' friends, like fishermen, like Nathaniel and them, just kind of hanging out, kind of going, hey, did you hear the word on the street? They've run out. And so Jesus is just calmly connected, calm and collected. And Mary does the typical mum thing. Do whatever he says. Drops it. And if the servants hadn't picked up on that, they would have missed that miracle. Do whatever he tells you to do. How many times do we get, do whatever he tells you to do? 
and we miss the moment. We miss the miracle. Now, if they had thought, what does this guy know about catering? They would have missed the miracle. If they'd said, show me your credentials. What's your ID? Where do you come from? You're a son of a carpenter. If they'd missed what Mary had said, they would have missed the miracle. Pour water into those ceremonial jars. Jesus didn't even tell them that he's going to turn it into wine. And they followed him in faith without realizing that in that process of obedience, the miracle came. And the process of just pouring water to fill up the jars got the miracle at that occasion. This is Jesus' first miracle. Now we know that you know, God heals, so you know, the, the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, all of these miraculous things that happened. Isn't it interesting that this is his first miracle? I find it interesting is because it had nothing to do with someone's ailment. It had nothing to do with someone's disease. But it had everything to do with shame. Jesus came, yes, to heal you. Jesus came, yes, to raise you from the dead. I want to say to you today that Jesus came to heal your shame. Jesus came to heal your shame. The thing with shame is no one else knows it but you. If you have a deformity, right? It's visible. People will know about it. But there's a different level of shame when you, are, when you feel ashamed inside of you. Maybe you've made a bad decision. Maybe you've made a big call. Maybe you did something and it just failed. All those things, we, we kind of hold them inside of us. Now, it's interesting to me that as I read through the commentaries, Jesus didn't say, use the water jars, fill that, and take it. He says, use the ceremonial jars that you have. Now, they're two different things. The other jar was just used for everyday things. The ceremonial jar was used specifically for cleansing. And so it's interesting how Jesus says, get the water from there, pour it into the ceremonial jar, and that's the container that the miracle came through. You see, in order for God to work in you, the vessel needs to be in line with him. The vessel needs to be clean. The vessel needs to be set apart. How many know these family shame? These family shame? There are, there are things that have happened in our, like you've got to look back in generations and there's that thing that your older mums and da- older uncles and aunties, they just kind of don't talk about. Oh, there's that family. Oh, there's that. Remember that thing that happened there? That thing. You know, like, it happens in my families. I don't know about yours. But there's, there's stuff that happens in, 
you walk into the room and everyone just goes. Family shame. I believe today God wants to heal you from family shame. Stuff that you didn't even do, but the thing that's attached itself to you and your family, that needs to be broken today. There's, 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 there's some, God wants to free people this morning who've held on to shame from years and years and years ago. And it only takes one little thing to remind you. Be it a celebration, be it a wedding, be it a funeral. There are all these triggers in life that would often bring this feeling back out. Well, today, you have the opportunity to exchange it, to say to Jesus, I hand over my shame for your power in my life for me to move on and work this out. I keep thinking about the servants, the conversation around the well of this water being poured in. Can you just imagine? Who's this guy? Where did he come from? Who invited him as Mary's son? Why is he getting us to do, like, we don't want water. We, we, but they just keep doing it because they've been instructed to do it. I love the fact that Jesus now tells the servants to take a pitcher, to take a jug to the, the chief caterer person who now has to taste it before it goes out. And his remarks are, most people would put their best wine out to start with. This guy, however, has bought the best, saved the best to last. Isn't it interesting? People may look at your life and go, wow, man, that's good. And forget that a process happened in your life and you've had to make decisions. You've had to be discipled to be where you are now. And so we believe that the best is yet to come in the life of our church, right? The best is yet to come. And so we're saying all of the things that have happened, we may have run out in the past, we may have done that in the past, but I believe God is about to do something that is to propel us, which is the best wine yet. Obedience is one of those key steps in getting your freedom. And getting rid of shame is obedience. Because you say so, I will. Because you say so, Jesus, I will. And so this morning, it's very simple. We're not pouring water into an everyday jar. We're going to bless you today so that you understand that you are a vessel that's been created specifically for the glory of God. And as your life is being poured out, People are going to encounter the presence of God like never before. People are going to go, I know you. but I, I know you, but you're different. What happened? What did you do? What did you do? What happened? And he's just going, I'm transferring what is earthen, what is earthly, and I'm transferring it into a spiritual vessel. A spiritual vessel that now will bless others. That now is from a place of strength to offer life to others. 
the miracle in Cana. Jesus has come to heal you of your shame. So that you don't run out. So you ask the question, well, what happens when I run out? Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Running out can also look like you're getting tempted and you don't know what else to do. That's running out because you don't have any other options. When you are tempted, that means you're empty. That means if you've got nothing else kind of like to grab hold of, run to Jesus. If you're trying to strategize with your finances, families, and you're kind of going, oh, man, I just don't know. I just don't know how else this is going to happen. Run to Jesus. Interesting. I was talking to Pastor Matt. That's just this week. Matt Cornford, and he's saying to me, bro, I feel good. Like, like people will see this cancer as a, oh, Matt, are you all right? But he's like, man, they better get out of my way. Because I've got faith to believe God is going to use this vessel. God is going to use this earthen vessel, fill it, right? Like God is going to use this to turn things around. So however way you feel, however way you feel like you've spent up on your emotions, you've spent up on your, you know, on, on your life and your dreams, Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. I love it that even in the scripture, even how, even though the lead host didn't had no idea, had no idea where the wine had come from. <laughs> I love it that the servants did. I love it that the servants knew where it came from. Our city. They don't need to know where your joy comes from, but you do. Your colleague at work doesn't need to know how you spend your weekend, but you do. Your doctor probably doesn't need to know how that broken bone got healed, but you do. The servants do because we can get caught up in how, at what point of this journey, the water turned into wine. But what we know is that by the time they tasted it, it had changed. So did it change when Jesus just talked about it? Did it change in the well? Did it change in the transfer of the jars? Did it change in the process of the servant taking it? To the person. When did it change? I don't care. It changed. I don't care how you changed. You've changed. So whatever the process that you've been through to get to where God has you now, I don't care. But you've changed. Because you've listened on, on, on what Jesus has asked you to do. You've gone and just said, I just trust you in this. And somewhere along the way, it changed. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.